Welcome to this week's edition of In the Ballpark. And today we are swapping multiple balls. It's, it's no longer a cricket ball or a football. It is a American football. That is right. It is the 56th Super Bowl. And it is going to be the LA Rams up against the Cincinnati Bengals. First time both of these sides will be playing in a Super Bowl against each other. The Rams have won the Super Bowl before, but not as the LA version. And as for the Cincinnati Bengals, it is their first time going for a Super Bowl title. So plenty of firsts to join me in this episode. It is NFL specialist and my good mate, Liam Healy. Liam, welcome to the show. And how excited are you for this Super Bowl? Michael, thank you very much for having me. It's, I'm very excited to be on the most versatile spot, sports podcast I've ever heard. Cricket, footy, NFL, it's all going on here. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for the Super Bowl. It's not the best NFL day of the year. It's more the conference championship day is the best day, the day for the purists, like the prelim finals we have here. But Super Bowl on a Monday, chuck a sickie, watch it. Have a great day. <laughs> As you mentioned there, it is it is one of the biggest days on the NFL calendar. Obviously, for the purists, you're right, the championship games, they are amazing. Huge amount of fans flock into the stadiums there. We should probably start there. Let's look at the two sides, how they actually got to the Super Bowl. Let's talk firstly about the Bengals because they bet my mob, the Kansas City Chiefs, who probably after that Bills game, they were probably the favourites for getting into the Super Bowl, not to mention taking out the entire title, considering they've won one in the last three years. They were there last year against the Buccaneers, and unfortunately they don't make it in there this year. But let's talk about that pathway because the Bengals, they have came from a fair way back to actually be in this game. Tell us about their pathway, Liam. Well, the crazy thing about the Bengals is something that's actually about the Rams as well. Both of these sides during the year were going nowhere everyone had written both these sides off at different points during the season the Bengals lost to the Jets this year one of the three worst teams in the sport they then lost to Cleveland their division rival got smashed by them twice were 10 and 7 were a four seed won the won their division the AFC North barely went had a home playoff game everyone was really excited about that that was their first home playoff win in so long everyone thought oh cool they've won it's a good luck story, but it's not really their time. They go to Tennessee, the number one seed. Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times and somehow wins the game on a walk-off field goal from Evan McPherson, who is a star and can kick 60-yard bombs just out of his mind as a freak. And then, so it gets to that. They beat Tennessee. They're going to Kansas City. Everyone says, okay, that's cool. They've won twice. They're a good story. But again, it's not their time. Down by... 20 points to the previous champions of the AFC in Kansas City, and then they win. So they're sort of this sort of magical sort of, they shouldn't be here really, but they are. And then because they shouldn't be here, why why shouldn't they just go all the way and win it now? It's a really good point you make, Liam. Obviously, the Chiefs made some pretty crazy blunders in that game. We won't get into all the specifics, but you know, not taking that field goal before half time, very strange sort of tactic, thinking start the ball in the second half, you know, we might get a touchdown. And then the Chiefs draw that game. 
They, they win the toss again like they did against the Bills, and then they don't score that touchdown. They, they've had to change up a few things to get to where they are now. And Joe Burrow, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about him, the Bengals quarterback, but 51 sacks taken, uh, the most of any quarterback, and yet here we are. They're playing away from home, obviously, against the LA Rams, but they give themselves every chance. And let's talk about the LA Rams as well. Probably a bit of a stronger season and end up in the Super Bowl at home, which is... Incredible that it's happening for the second time in a row. Tell us a little bit about their season, Liam, and and how they got to the Super Bowl. The Rams season almost started last January after they got knocked out of the playoffs by Green Bay last year. They traded their former number one pick quarterback, Jared Goff, who they gave a four-year contract to with way too much money that you can talk about at the end of the 2018 season in 2019. Trade him for Matthew Stafford a 33-year-old quarterback who was also a number one pick back in 2009, was playing in the doldrums of Detroit, the most downtrodden franchise in maybe American sports, putting up great numbers there for 12 years. And then they say, why don't we go get him? Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, the coach of the LA Rams, in Carbo together, sitting in a hot tub, say, why don't we just make this deal happen? Matt Stafford comes there, has an awesome season. The Rams also had the stretch where they lost three in a row. And Stafford was throwing picks every week and said, so why would you do this? They waste, They gave away two first-round picks for him. In the NFL, first-round picks are gold. They are capital. You do not You do not give those away. People say, oh, they've screwed this up completely. They've gone all the way for it, and they've absolutely blown up in their face. They lost to San Francisco six times in a row, their division rival, then down by 10 in a conference championship game against San Francisco, a team they can't beat, and then they come back and beat them. Like we talked about the Bengals with the Rams, it's just this weird sort of like energy with both of these teams. They're so different as well. The Rams are stars. They're, they're literally Hollywood. They have the, maybe the best defensive player of this millennium, Aaron Donald. They have Matt Stafford, who is a star quarterback. Cooper Cup, who won Offensive Player of the Year, led the league in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns and catches. That doesn't happen ever. Nearly set the record for all-time yards in a season, which is just crazy. That should like that shouldn't happen. And then they sign Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. comes. Everyone knows people who don't know the NFL know Odell Beckham Jr. He's the funny hair, the dancing, the antics. But he comes there. Everyone's written him off. He's a 30-year-old. He got cut by Cleveland, and they say, "Oh, what's he going to do?" And now he's an integral part of this team, and had a hundred yards plus in the conference championship game, and got that helped get that team here. So there's all these storylines sort of working together for both teams. That's what we love on the eve of a big final, of a big Super Bowl. We love these stories. These are the lineups that we just, we look forward to. And it's worth mentioning as well, Liam, that these are two pretty young coaches, both coaching for the first time in a Super Bowl. And with their combined experience, they are the youngest coaches ever to be in a Super Bowl final. So again, those crazy energies that you speak of, it, sets up for a really exciting Super Bowl and, and hopefully one that we will we will see some firsts and, and we will hopefully see a really good game. But Liam, if you had to pick, what are some of your most exciting matchups? Some of these great players who both sides took punts on to get and they're paying dividends. What are some of the matchups here that you're most excited about? Well, probably the main matchup is sort of two chances that both franchises took that maybe a lot of people thought they shouldn't have done and now they're going to go up against each other. That's Jalen Ramsey from LA who is a cornerback, no doubt the best cornerback in the league, everyone's favourite. Two years ago, the Rams traded more first-round picks to get Jalen Ramsey, who was unhappy in Jacksonville, wanted out, traded for him, gave him the money, 
and he came over. And on the Bengals side is Jamar Chase, who is already a, is his first season in the league, is already a top five receiver in the league, played with Joe Burrow at LSU. Last year's draft, Cincinnati's offensive line was terrible, still is terrible. Everyone said Cincinnati, they have to draft this elite left tackle that's coming out, Panay Sewell. That's the consensus. Oh, of course, they need to fix their offensive line. They don't really need a receiver that badly. But no, they draft Jamar Chase, who played with Joe Burrow, and then he comes in and sets the league on fire. Their connection is crazy. They look at each other and they know what's happening. You don't have to signal anything. They have just like, there's this sort of thing between quarterbacks and receivers that like get along with each other, sort of know what anyone's going to do before they even do it. it it's a special thing. And Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase is probably maybe the most key matchup. If Jamar Chase goes off, the Bengals will win because... The Bengals can win by throwing the ball downfield. That's what they've done all year. Joe Burrow led the league in throws over 20-plus yards, had one of the most touchdowns this year. He also threw one of the most interceptions in the year because of the way they play. They like to throw the ball down the field. They run it a lot on first down, but mainly Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey, the winner of that battle will go a long way to deciding. I'd be stunned if whoever won that battle lost the game absolutely going to be a crucial battle and we should talk about the home factor because obviously it was a big factor last year um with the Buccaneers getting a getting a home Super Bowl but the Bengals have been pretty good on the road I mean they're 7-3 on the road including playoffs that is a pretty good record and clearly they don't fear wherever they play is this a factor at all Liam it is a factor in a sense it's not the biggest factor when it comes to this game the LA Rams sort of fans are notorious for sort of being fair weather. This is LA. LA is Dodgers base. That's baseball and Lakers town. It's not really the Rams town. They can't, the Rams were in Los Angeles, then moved to St. Louis in the nineties, then came back to Los Angeles about five years ago. So they were sort of, they lost sort of their fans. And as we saw in the San Francisco game in the conference championship, it was all 49ers fans in the building in this, beautiful SoFi Stadium, $4 billion stadium. It's an absolute jewel right in the heart of Los Angeles, but there's no real fans coming out for the Rams. So one of the things that sort of like is a bigger picture of the game is the Rams winning the Super Bowl in LA, putting their sort of standpoint as we are in this city, we can take this city because the Lakers aren't going very well right now. They sort of want to get a fan base coming over and they sort of do need it because their owners invested all this money in a massive stadium and they need to get these fans in the door and they might come out and support them. For the Bengals side, it probably doesn't mean that much going there. The Rams are probably the only real favour they get is they get to be at home for a couple more days because both teams will be staying in a hotel for most of the week anyway. So to keep the players sort of locked in and make sure they don't do anything stupid. So yeah, it's a little bit of a factor. It's not the biggest factor in the world. So, Liam, another important aspect of this Super Bowl episode is we spoke to the highly talented punter from the Aggies. That's right. The A&M Texas team who is playing in the College Football League, Nick Constantino. And we sat down with him earlier this week to chat all things college football and, of course, got his predictions for the Super Bowl. How good was this interview that we got with him? Nick is a star. He's a great bloke, great punter, one of the best punters in college, went to school in Essendon. If you're listening, it's a kid from Essendon. It happens all the time. You don't realise. A kid from Essendon just ends up playing at one of the biggest college programs in America, and he's just kicking a ball because he's good at footy. That's 
that's great. He used to launch that ball at football training. Like he could kick it 65, 75 metres easily without effort. So honestly, enjoy this interview from Nick Constantino. He's a superstar in the making and he was kind enough to talk to us over in America about the NFL Super Bowl and about his career in college football. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to In the Ballpark today. And with us, we have a very special guest on the eve of the NFL Super Bowl. Our special guest today on In the Ballpark was launching 65 to 75 metre bombs at football training back in high school effortlessly. And now he's fittingly the Texas A&M Aggies punter at college football level. He played in all 12 games in the 2021-2022 season, led the SEC and was the top 10 nationally for punting, averaging 46.61 yards, if you don't mind, per punt. And he launched a career-long 64-yard punt at Colorado, which by all reports, it nearly landed in the Grand Canyon. That's how good this bloke is. Nick Constantino, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us all the way from sunny United States. No, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. By judging on the appearance here, it must be pretty cold over there in Texas at the moment. Look, I tell you what, I've I've never seen snow in my life until I came to Texas, which is not what's meant to happen. So this time last year, we had a massive snowstorm, and it wiped us out for about a week. And you know, all these Texans just went nuts because they've never seen snow in their lives. And then, literally today, so we had it was about twenty-two degrees Celsius, you know, yesterday, and then today out of nowhere, it just starts snowing. So. I mean, I don't know how to put it to you, but it's, it's pretty chilly this morning, so I'm just trying to rug up and stay warm, you know? It's a very, very smart option, Nick. And obviously, being from Melbourne, you, you can expect the unexpected. So it's, it's probably a good yeah. thing you're going from Melbourne to, to Texas. Yeah. But wow, yeah, that is right. crazy. 22 degrees Celsius and then all of a sudden snow. That is yeah. crazy. Now, Nick, first and foremost, for all of the fans out there who may not know much about you, give us a little bit of a background in your college level, but also what made you get into punting and what made you so passionate about the game of American football? Yeah, so pretty much um, I knew nothing about college football or American football, you know, little to none at all. And then my good friend and teacher, Michael Gallus, you know, uh, he heard about Pro Kick Australia. And then he told my dad about it, my parents about it. And he said, you know, Nick should give it a shot. He's got a big leg. You should just, you know, go give it a crack pretty much. And then, you know, cut long story short, I went for an assessment. And then uh, John Smith and Nathan Chapman from Pro Kick uh, pretty much told me, you know, I should stick with it. It would be a good career decision. So I'm like, you know, I'll get back to you. I had at that time I had exams at RMIT that I was doing. So then after the exams, I'm like, look, I've got nothing to lose. It it's, it all sounds better than playing local footy back at home. So, you know, and then after that, a few months later, A um, and M offered to you know offered a scholarship for me to come up, and you know I took it, come play footy here and study. So best decision so far in my life, to be honest. You spoke about pro kick, sort of. They've obviously had a lot of success with guys like yourself and a lot of Aussie punters going over, some guys getting into the NFL. What do you think they do specifically that makes them really successful and helps out the people they work with? Well, especially in the college level, there's you can do a lot You can do a lot of different t- uh, style of kicks that can benefit your team. Whereas, in, I mean, in the NFL, you, you're very restricted with, with the rules that they have in there. We still have a lot of success with, you know, we've got like, I think, seven guys in the NFL that are from Pro Kick. So we're still, you know, tapping into the market like that. But pretty much the fact that we're we're born growing up, kicking the ball a lot, whether it's with soccer and then, you know, Aussie rules. So we, we're used to that motion. So it's pretty, comes pretty naturally to us. Whereas most of, the, most of the guys up here, they're used to throwing a lot, you know, with baseball and all that. So I guess we just have that natural advantage from the start where we can just tweak 
you know, little skills here and there, which can just strive forward from that. How hard was it for you to adjust to, as a punter, you've got to kick off one and a half steps and get it away as quick as possible. How was that hard for you to do? For the first, you know, month or two, just getting used to that different style is a bit difficult and challenging. And you have to sort of, you have to take what your your style of kicking is, break it all down and, and you know, rearrange it a lot, to be honest. But once you get used to it, it's not too bad. But yeah, as you said, it's definitely a, it's a very unique kick that we do because by the time we catch a snap until we have to kick it, if it's if it's above two seconds, you're probably going to get blocked. So we have that split second where you need to, you know, align you get, get the technique right, catch a snap, and then get it off as quick as possible within the first couple of steps. Otherwise, you know, some trouble can happen. So it does take a little bit of time, but once you get used to it, it's you know, it's like second nature. Tell us a little bit how different college sport is, because the whole college sport system is so much bigger than really what Australia has. How have you sort of acclimatized or adapted to that? It's hard. It's hard to really put into words, but the best way you can put it is college football. And pretty much all most college sports, but specifically college football is it's much bigger than the NFL and it's much bigger than AFL, much bigger than any type of sport you can play just because, you know, we get at least 80,000 people minimum every single game that we play at home. So, you know, the Alabama game, we had 110,000 in the stadium all filled up and it's just the atmosphere and the environment you're in, you can't, you can't replicate it anywhere else. The whole like when it comes down to you know game week, we all go as a team. We go to a, we stay at hotels for the week, and then we'll go somewhere eat, go to the hotel, watch movies, do all that. It's all just a massive team bonding session that you have, and you get to really get close to all these, all these guys. And then you know come game day, it's just a, a huge environment. Everyone just embraces it, and all the college students, even old fellas that are you know coming down to town, just to, they, they love and breathe the game. As a specialist, you don't really want to get that crowd noise, you know, in your head too much because it can screw you up. So you try and focus on the task at hand. But I mean, I've, I think I've adjusted to it pretty well and hopefully continue to get better at that. But it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's one of those things where you just have to watch. And if you can hopefully come to a game in person, then you get to really you know, understand what it's all about. College football season finished a month ago. Georgia, a team in your conference, winning the whole championship. Off-season now, what are you guys doing specifically as a team to get better, to sort of get around the level of Georgia, Alabama, those guys in the top four? Yeah, just all about, well, the first part of it's all about recruiting. So, I mean, Coach Fisher and the recruiting staff, you know, we just signed the number one recruiting class in history. So we can get all them, all them good guys back in here. We can get the right training for them and all that. And then pretty much phase out our whole year. It starts from, you know, January and then we go through different phases of training so now we've got we call it fourth quarter training or fourth quarter workouts which is a month of pretty much hell month where they just take us through different mat drills and all that and develop us before we start spring ball and spring ball will start in the next month i think march march 8th around there and then um we go through spring and then we have that break and then we have the summer workouts which is a, another period another month where it's just you know really just high intensity high volume of training and all that and then we get into the fall camp and then the season starts. So it's just a, a lot of periodization throughout the whole year. And then if your mental state's locked in, ready to go, then that's how you get to that next level. So yeah. as a punter, your obviously primary role is to kick a ball. But obviously we know in the game, punters can also throw, throw on fake players, run the ball. How have you talked to your coaches about that? Do you have to practice throwing if they need you to throw a trick play or run the ball? Do you speak to your coaches? Do you let them know, I can do this, like you can trust me to do this if we need to? Pretty much every team will have a trick play up their sleeve. 
and we we do practice it every single week. And our coach doesn't really use them too much. He's not he's not a big fan of them, but they're always there's the one thing about this sport is no matter what, every single play has like there's always something for that play. There's always an answer for that play. So we'll always have a trick play put in place. And the way it works is pretty cutthroat. So if if I hit it, you know, four times out of the week but miss it that fifth time, then we won't play it. We won't use it. So it's pretty much you, you screw it up once and it's it's out of the book. So we, we do have a couple that we that we have in store just in case we need to use them. And then if the coach calls them on the day, then you've got to go, go out there and execute it. What are your sort of long-term aspirations, not only with study, but with punting, but also as an Australian living in the United States? Pretty much just focusing on on my college level now, making sure I get the most out of it is the, is the main goal and always having, you know, the end goal is the NFL being up there. I've just got my girlfriend, Alicia, back in Australia. So we're going to try and work something out with that. And she's got some visa problems now we're trying to work out, but we'll see if we can get her up. But then if I was to make the NFL, you know, we obviously live up here. And then it's it's very hard to say where and, and all that because it's very volatile in the NFL. Like you could be with one team, they'll cut to the next day, and then you're, you're flying off to somewhere else. So it's one of those things you never know what, what can happen, but that, that'll be like, you know, plan A, I should say. But... If that wouldn't, if that doesn't work out, then I can always come back home, utilize the degree that I got from here. Work in Australia would be no issue with that. And if, and if I really wanted to, I've always got so many contacts up in the states where, I mean, I can get a job pretty much anywhere here. It's really worked out in my favor. So obviously, you've still got a little bit to go in your college career now. You talked about going, looking to the NFL. At your stage of college career, do you sort of know oh, the way I'm tracking? I sh- can be a chance to like people tell you that you're on your way or you just going through like going through college life and then say what happens once you declare for the draft a lot of it's just you know the right timing especially with our roles like punters kickers and all that it's how many people are leaving that year and how many teams want a punter and if you can work that out then you sort of have a better chance of you know utilizing that opportunity but at the end of the day once you're out of eligibility you can maximize your time in college and put your name out there because at the end of the day, all the scouts can watch watch the tape that's out there. So as long as you're putting out that tape there for them to watch and it's, and it's good tape, then you'll have a great chance. And the coaches don't really tell you anything now, like, oh, you'll be a chance or not, until you really get to that stage where you're saying, all right, now it's my time to go. And then they'll let you know what the best avenue is. And obviously, we see a lot of guys not necessarily get drafted as punters, but sort of they go talk to teams and then they come through as free agents. Is that sort of a plan for you as well? Or are you going to hang around for a little bit longer to try and see if someone can pick you up, get on a practice squad, something like that? Yeah, from what, I, from what I've heard is if you if you went to get picked up the first time, you sort of want to give yourself anywhere between five months to a year. And that's that's pretty much, you know, trying to get drafted or, you know, the rookie draft and all that through that time period. So after that, a lot of them say after five months to a year, if you can't really find anything, then it's probably a good time to give up on that. But you can, that's, from what I've heard, that's what everyone says. But so, yeah, you have that sort of buffer period of time that you can work with a manager and try and find, find a place because a lot, of, a lot of NFL teams are willing just to bring you in for a tryout and just so that you can compete against their guy that's already there. What is one of the funniest stories that you've had in your college experience? My, I mean, actually, my brother, my brother came up with my cousin and two mates and went to the gun range. And you have to sit like a four, there's a four question sort of test in order for you to be able to use that weapon in there. And we went to our mate Jordan because he has his gun license in Australia. So he got two, two of the four questions right and they still gave him the gun anyway. They're like, yeah, just go ahead. You'll be fine, no stress. But 
I mean, that, we found that pretty funny because it's just like the laid back, you're not really giving a shit type Texas, you know, vibe, which 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 it is here. So that's probably the best one I have for you, to be honest. But that's so funny. <laughs> now we would be missing a big trick here if we didn't ask you about the upcoming Super Bowl. What is your prediction for it? I'm rooting for the Rams purely because we have a couple of ex Aggie players in there now. So you know, we got Von Miller, Bobby Brown, Anthony Hines, a few of them are at the Rams. So I'm hoping that they win for their sake, but. My tip is going to be on the on Joe Burrow, so with the Bengals, because I think he's just leading them. He's doing something special there. And it just it, it aligns with the record of what he's set so far. You know, he won the Heinsburn, he won the national championship at LSU. Now he's taking his team to a Super Bowl. I mean, he was the most sacked quarterback in still one games in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's it's hard against the Rams, you know, defensive front because it's just unbelievable who they got there. But I mean, I think that I think they'll pull off some magic. So I'm going with them. As a punter, you sort of actually don't want, as a team, you all sort of don't want your punter to ever come on the field. Is that sort of weird for you? Yeah, I mean, I remember our first game we had in the regular season last year, we didn't get one punt. And I, I mean, our coaches were stoked about that one because obviously our offense is doing something right. So, I mean, you, you want to try and minimize that as much as possible, I guess. But when it's your time to go out there and you know, help the defense out, you want to pit them as deep, you know, as far back as possible. So, it is a bit awkward knowing that, you know, no one really wants you to go out, but when you are out, they're expecting big things from you. So, yeah. Well, Nick, it has been an absolute joy and a privilege to be able to talk to you all the way from the United States. We can't wait to follow your progress throughout this year's season and beyond as well. And we really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to you in the ballpark and good luck with uh, the off season. And then obviously getting into, into the big season that is that is yet to come. Good luck with it all, mate, and thank you again. For Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Been a pleasure. Touchdown! Tell us about who is going to win this Super Bowl once and for all. So I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's Joe Cool. He's Joe. His nickname is Joe Burrow, as in freezing B R R R, because he's got ice in his veins. I think he's a stud. I think he's amazing. He's is his second year in the league. And he's already got his team to a Super Bowl. He missed all of basically all of last year and his knee completely blown up in a tackle. So I do love him, but can't get past their off how terrible their offensive line is going against the Rams defensive line that has Von Miller, who's already won a Super Bowl MVP when he played with the Broncos six years ago. They have Leonard Floyd, who was a former first round pick, had about nine sacks this year. And in the center of it, they have Aaron Donald, like I said the best, the consensus best defensive player of his generation. Should he win a Super Bowl ring, he'll be a, a top five defensive player all time. He's won three defensive players a year. He's a stud. They've got all three of those guys hunting Joe Burrow, surrounding him. We saw him overcome that against Tennessee. It's one of those things where they win so many times, like I said, like they win when they shouldn't, and you think, nah, this is it. But now I'm actually saying this is it. They can't, I don't think they'll win. I think the Rams will win. I'm going 31-23 Rams. The Rams have too much talent across the board. They have too much weapons on one side. And I just think they're going to get after Burrow and they'll make his... He'll stand up. He won't flinch or anything. But I think it'll just be a little bit too much to overcome. It's just hard to go past all of those stars on the LA Rams side. And I'm going to agree with you. I think the LA Rams get up here as well. I actually think the Bengals are going to score first, weirdly enough. Similar sort of line there. I'm going to say... 29 to 13. <laughs> it's a bit random. Hopefully a really good close till half time potentially. What do you think about the lineup there? Well, obviously the key thing about the Super Bowl is if people who don't like this sport and they're going to watch the halftime show anyway, whether they watch it 
while it's on or when it gets put on YouTube two hours later. It's so many people coming together. It's all these like legends and stars that coming together. I think that might be like a bit weird. Like for me, I like sort of, you know, like one person or like two people like bouncing off each other. That's cool. Or a band, etc. I, th- I still think it'll be great. I think Snoop's going to have so much fun. I, I reckon he's going to do something really weird, which will be really cool. I'm more excited. Who do you think they're going to – a lot of people are asking, who do you think they're going to show first? Who do you think is going to be the first one to sing? That's what I want to know from you. I actually think it's going to be Tupac's hologram. That might get the ball first, weirdly enough. <laughs> might just pop out of nowhere and do some singing somewhere on the field there. Your pick for the national anthem, are they going to drag it out this year, Liam? It's going to be dragged out because <laughs> it's, it's LA, it's Hollywood. You're singing the national anthem in LA. Show off, show off a bit. Oh. Just hold that last note for a little bit more. Get that, make us wait a bit. Get us on the edge of our seats. I, re- I really enjoyed Lady Gaga a couple of years ago where she really did, did her own rendition of the national anthem and you just thought, wow, this lady is going to get a couple of film contracts for doing this. It eventuated. So sometimes a little bit of the razzle-dazzle does seem to help their careers. So Hopefully they didn't hire Fergie after what she did at the NBA All-Star Game a few years, a few years ago. Hopefully, hopefully they didn't get her. I'm not, I'm not sure who they got, but I just hopefully they didn't get it. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, of course, they can't get meatloaf at that Super Bowl for obvious reasons. Rest in peace, meatloaf, but no issues there at all. Liam, if you had to predict anything bizarre happening, if there's going to be a headline that comes out of this Super Bowl that's just a little bit left field, what do you think that's a little bit bizarre that's going to happen at the Super Bowl this year if you had to predict it? I would go with ticketing malfunctions at the door, people struggling to get in, get in really late. That's what I would go with. Potentially that could happen. I think something weird's going to happen with pyrotechnics. They might let off a firework or something or or too much smoke. And when the kickoff happens, there is going to be quite a bit of smoke. It's, it's going to be hard to see the ball in the first couple of minutes. That's what I'm going to say. I saw this week that the cheapest ticket people could get was about five grand American. That was up, up, up in the nosebleeds. So for everyone going, if they're listening, I hope you get it. Yeah, oh, big time. I really do, particularly if you're paying that money. I, I would I would hate to think what it is sort of middle tier to right at the front of the ground. I think that would be ridiculous. We always love the commercials. They're always, there's usually like a compilation that comes out straight after or there's like a top 10 list of something like the best ones. Like there'll be, you'll see something weird. I'd probably, I'd be stunned if we didn't see Shaquille O'Neal. That's what I'm tipping. He's everywhere. He puts his, he puts his face on anything. So he'll be on there. There'll be a movie star. There might even be another rendition of that Danny McBride one they did last year, the fake Australia ad. All I can say is there's going to be a lot of American food going all around Melbourne because there are a lot of NFL fans here. And even if you don't support the NFL, definitely get behind the Super Bowl. If you don't watch the NFL, maybe you know a little tiny bit about it. A lot of people are working from home still. Put it on. Sit there at your desk, there's a TV next to you, just chuck it on. Maybe you'll fall in love with a player, a team, and then you'll fall in love with the NFL. I don't know how I fell in love with the NFL. I just started watching it when I had days off uni, and it's amazing. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about that, Liam, as well. For, for Australian natives, obviously, we grow up watching all sorts of Australian sports, but the NFL, certainly, it's a little bit difficult to get your head around first because there is a lot of a lot of over-correcting, over-umpiring flags on the ground. There's things that, that may not make a lot of sense, but definitely get into it because it is a sport that really does get exciting, particularly when you see games like the Chiefs-Bill game. Games like that, if you, if you have an appreciation for the sport, if you can understand the, the sport to some extent, games like that are just some of the best you'll see. So hopefully, hopefully, we're praying we get a Super Bowl like that as well, Liam. Thanks for joining us today on In the Ballpark. Thank you, Michael. What a pleasure it's been to be here. 
Enjoy the game, everyone, tomorrow. Maybe you'll fall in love with the game like I have. Fall in love with Joe Burrow, you should. <laughs>